Good morning. Is everyone doing okay today? Amen. It's good to see you guys. Uh, For those of you that are new here, my name is Ethan, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's such an honor to have you here at the well today. Uh, Today is a good Sunday because uh, we get to see many of our friends that have been missing for the past two or three months going back to their hometowns to be home with us uh, here in Huntsville, and that is our college students. And so if you're here and you're back for the first time, man, it's so good to see you guys. I cannot wait to see you jump back in with our church family as we track on through a new semester. And for the rest of us, uh, it's so good to see you again on this special day as we get to walk through the Word and we get to praise Jesus. And so the best opportunity we have together. I want to ask you to go ahead and take your Bibles, and I want you to go to two places today. Uh, One of those will be in Genesis chapter 22, and then we are going to be heading to the most familiar passage for our church, which is Matthew 28. And so if you don't know that one yet, then... You are about to hear that, and you, will, you, you should recognize it very, very quickly. Uh, but today, we are going to continue our series going through what we call the marks of maturity. And so in our church family, um, we have different elements of DNA that kind of make our culture and, and let us see what we are about and what we do and what we're like. And we have four marks of maturity that teach us and guide us to what should our discipleship look like and what should we aspire to be? And so when someone asks, what does a disciple look like? In our church, we try to tell them it is these four things. And the four marks of maturity that we have are the obedient abider, someone who lives in submission to Jesus's word. What we're gonna talk about today, the missional disciple, someone who lives in submission to Jesus's mission. We have the sacrificial servant, someone who lives in submission to Jesus' example. And then we have finally the faithful caregiver is someone who lives in submission to Jesus' bride, the church. And so every single one of these shapes and it molds us as a church family to where we have a body of believers here that love the word of God, that aspire, that yearn to go deep into his truth. A church family that wants to live on mission to make disciples of all nations, a church family that wants to utilize its giftings to serve one another, to serve the community, to exercise those things, and then finally a faithful caregiver, someone who truly cares for one another, and we take care of one another in this congregation and out into this community. And so we have these four marks of maturity, and we use that word maturity specifically because we recognize as a church family and in our growing up, as us, we will turn, what's crazy is we will turn four years old next month. Isn't that wild? We will turn four years old next month. And so if, if you've been here from day one, it's like, wow, that has flown by. Uh, but we want to grow deep and to grow up in maturity as a church family. That we will come to know the truth of his word, how it applies to our church family, and then allow that to lead and guide us in every sphere of life. And so today we are going to examine the missional disciple. We're going to look into God's Word to see the biblical foundations for this. And so you may be wondering, well, what what does this mean? So I gave you that first definition last week if you were here about the obedient abider, someone who lives in submission to Jesus' Word. And so we looked in John 15 where Jesus is teaching and He says, If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much 
fruit. And so we see that we abide in Christ, we remain in Christ by looking into his word where he says in chapter 15 specifically, his words in us. And so we want to go deep into his word. And that brings us to here where we're going to look into Genesis and Matthew and see the, the missional disciple, someone who lives in submission to Jesus's mission. So when we think about God and we're looking at all the different characteristics of God, there is indeed an attribute that we have to know that's very important for this conversation that we're having right now. And that is, he is a missional God. And he has a grand story of redemption that is carried out through his son, Jesus Christ, that involves every single one of us. And when we think of the mission of God, we tend to think it's just the New Testament, but it actually goes much further uh, beyond that and, and before that. So if you guys remember way back when we did a series on racial reconciliation in Genesis chapter 1, we had something in, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, where we looked at creation. We saw how mankind related together and that we are all made in the image of God, where God created mankind in his own likeness. We see that in Genesis chapter 1. And so we call that the Imago Dei, the Latin for the image of God. In the same way there is an Imago Dei, there is indeed another doctrine called the Missio Dei, which is just a way of saying the mission of God. And it actually begins in Genesis. And so if you'll look at Genesis chapter 22 and look at verses 16 through 18, you'll recognize a familiar person here in Genesis chapter 22, 16 through 18. And he said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And now check this out in verse 18. Very, very important. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Well, that's an interesting passage to start out the mission of God, the Missio Dei. See, this is a story in Genesis chapter 22, where you see the relationship between Abraham and Isaac, and the Lord is testing Abraham. And he tells him, he asks him to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. I know that's weird, but that's what he asked him to do. This is a measure of faith that we see exercised in this specific chapter. And because he was obedient, God says to Abraham, I'm going to use you and your offspring, your descendants, to bless the nations of all the earth. And so some missiologists, some theologians take this specific moment and they refer to this as the Great Commission of the Old Testament in the same way of the Great Commission, the New Testament. And so we have this Missio Dei, the mission of God, beginning with Abraham right here, where he says, through you, you are going to bless all the peoples of the earth. And so this carries onward all the way from Genesis through the canon, all the way to Matthew. And so when you get to the book of Matthew, you go from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, we get to Matthew chapter 1. Now, this, there's something interesting about Matthew chapter 1, and if you guys uh, know what is there, the first thing you see in Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy, okay? Now, I, I've been your pastor long enough 
to learn some things about our folks at the well, okay? Uh, I, I love, does anyone, is anyone doing a Bible reading plan this year? Anyone doing a Bible reading plan? Many of you guys are. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Let me tell you something I've learned about Bible reading plans. There's two places that Bible reading plans go to die. One is Leviticus, and the other one is genealogies, okay? I'm just being honest. I know how y'all are. And genealogies are one of the places where we just tend to tune out, right? Because you get to Matthew chapter 1, and we're reading through Matthew chapter 1, and you see how it opens up, and it's all the begots, right? It's all the, and in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Judah. And, I, and listen, I get it. When we're reading through it, there is an ever-present temptation just to go, oh, I get that, cool, and then move on. I know how people are. But if we pause and we reflect on this, we actually see there is so much to learn. And there is so much to glean from the genealogy. And it connects back to Genesis 22. Okay, I'm not making this up. But here's how it connects. You'll notice in the opening verse of Matthew 1 and 2, who's the first person that it points out here? We see, we see the, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Interestingly enough, the book of Matthew has this continuation of what God was doing in Genesis. And the mission that he began there. And what you're going to see is the journey from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob all the way to Jesus. And so my point is, Matthew fits right into the mission of God. Because he is carrying off where God continued in Genesis 22. Does it make sense? We see his movement continue. And so the Missio Dei continues in Matthew chapter 1. It goes on all the way to chapter 28, where we see the Great Commission. And so in our church family, we read that passage at the end of every service. We actually teach on it once or twice a year, because that passage is so foundational to who we are. It teaches us that we are a church that doesn't just exist for ourselves, but we are a church that exists also for the person that's not here yet. That exists for the one that wants to grow in Christ. That exists for the person that's far from Jesus. That exists for the person that wants to multiply disciples of Jesus. It's not just about us, but it's about the mission of God in this community, on that college campus, and to the ends of the earth. And so that is why it's so foundational to to who we are, because we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. And all this is rooted in Matthew 28. So let's go to 28 and let's read this. And then I just want us to see and learn the marks of a missional disciple. His mission continues here. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.
a powerful passage. In Matthew 28, we're at the end of the ministry of Jesus. He has died. He has been resurrected. And so in Matthew 28, on the Mount of Olives, connecting to Acts chapter 1, he is sharing these final words with the disciples, the 11 that are there. And so he's continuing the missio Dei, the mission of God, to them. And so in the opening verses, they're gathering together. The 11 disciples are to, at the mountain. It even says some doubted in this moment, so close to the resurrection. And it's in verse 18, it says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So we have this great commission, and in a second, we're going to figure out why we say missional disciple. But before that, to, to, to go from this previous verse, what we see going on here is Jesus is giving this commandment to the disciples. Now, there's a natural moment for you and I to look at it and to go, okay, this is cool. Great commission, the greatest mission that's ever existed. That's for the disciples, the 11. That's, that's, that's not for us. And, and I totally get that because it, it, that, that's what he says in this moment. He's speaking directly to the 11 disciples. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And he says to the disciples, I want you to go. And so there's a temptation for us in the mission of God to lovingly hand off the mission to somebody else. To hand it off to the professionals. To hand it off to the super disciple makers. Whoever you think that person is. But here is the reality. This mission is for every single one of us because I believe this passage specifically is teaching not just to the disciples, but it is a mandate. It is a commission for the entire, watch this, church. The whole church. Why on earth would we say that? There's a key phrase there that if we looked at it just there, we may not catch it. But if we look at the whole scope of Matthew, it makes perfect sense. He says all authority meaning that all things in heaven and earth truly are in the authority of Christ. He controls all things. But there's that key phrase, in heaven and earth. Do you guys see that? It's in heaven and on earth. Where else do we see that in the Gospel of Matthew? Think about it. We see a similar phrase in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where he says, um, we ask these things, on earth as it is in heaven in the Lord's Prayer. But there's two other places that we see it. We see it in Matthew chapter 16, and we see it in Matthew chapter 18. And there's a similarity in those two chapters. Here it is. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he says, And you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Also in Matthew chapter 16, where we see the formation of the church in this specific passage. We see him teach right after this. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we see this heaven-earth dance happening in chapter 16. We also see it again in chapter 18. He's talking about when you sin against one another in the church, so when you guys have a quarrel, when you guys are having a fight, this is what you're supposed to do according to Matthew chapter 18. He says, truly, I say to you, 
Chapter 18, verse 18. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So the reason I get into the nitty gritty right there is just to make a point to you. In Matthew chapter 16, with the earth and heaven language, we see the formation of the church. In Matthew chapter 18, with the language of heaven and earth, we see the discipline of the church. And so when you get to Matthew chapter 28, when he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, we see the mission of the church. Make sense? We see the formation of the church, the discipline of the church, and in chapter 28, we see the mission of the church. All of this is happening in the context of the church. And so you and I are to read this as if it is not only spoken to them, but it is spoken to us. That this mission exists for you to live out the mission of God. And so with this precedent that you and I are to live in this great commission, the missio Dei, the mission of God, here's where it leads us, is that you and I are to be missional disciples. I want to give you two marks of a missional disciple in light of the word to challenge you and encourage you in your next steps of becoming one. A missional disciple, someone who lives in submission to Jesus' mission, the two are, very simply, they will be going, number one, and number two, they will be growing. Okay, There's a nice alliteration since we're a Baptist church. We are going to be going and we will also be growing, number two. So let's talk about the going aspect of being a missional disciple. We have those two words, missional. And funny enough, we talked about this in our small group this morning. Missional is not actually a word. <laughs> like if you look this up or you try to type it on a document, it's going to have those like red squiggly lines under it, under a word document, because this is not a recognized Oxford or Webster dictionary word. This is what the church has created. So while it is not a sin to say the word missional, it's also not going to get you an A on a paper, okay? So that's just an FYI. Only in seminary will you get an A for saying missional, but nowhere else will you get that. But missional is this derivative, the word missionary, this person that goes and they're reaching people far from Jesus. So you have this mark of a missional disciple who is going, and this is about reaching people far from Jesus. So he says, I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see this in verse 19. Now, there's so much to learn from those words there, where he says, go, therefore. When we read this, this is in the context of us understanding simply that you and I have an mission to reach people far from the Lord. One of the things that he says right here is he wants you to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now in our church and what we believe in our confession of faith, what is baptism for? So a few weeks ago, we got to observe that. Next week, we're going to get to observe that with baptism here. It's going to be a lot of fun. And what we believe is based on the book of Acts. Anytime you see baptism, what we recognize and observe is when someone comes to faith in Jesus, when someone puts their hope in God and they are saved, the first step of obedience is that they are baptized. And so we don't believe baptism saves somebody. 
We don't necessarily believe that baptism redeems somebody from their sins. We believe baptism is this public profession of faith declaring to the church, the city, the world that I am a follower of Jesus Christ and he is the Lord of my life. That is what baptism is. Nothing magical about the water, nothing special about the horse trough that we use. It is simply a symbol, this declaration. And it is for those who trust in Jesus. And so when he says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, what is explicitly stated is that if you are a new believer, you need to be baptized. What is implicitly stated is that we will go and reach those so that they can be baptized. That if you were to be baptized, it means that as, as of recent, prayerfully, the church has been able to reach someone with the gospel and this person will trust in Jesus and place their hope in God. And so we're baptizing new believers, baptizing those who have just trusted in Jesus. And so we want to reach people far from Jesus. Now, I want to give you a little, uh, a little just hope and assurance here. When we read that, I know the idea of being evangelistic or having evangelism can be a little intimidating, right? So like, just think about it. Are you a person that maybe it's difficult to share the gospel with somebody? Maybe it's challenging. Maybe you're fearful for whatever reason it may be, particularly when we have to make an intentional moment to go do it, right? I understand that. Like, I feel that in my core. When you read this word, go therefore and make disciples, this context, this contextual reading of the word go, therefore, can be read as, as you go. As you go and make disciples of all nations. As you go and reach people far from Jesus. As you go and share the good news of Jesus with someone else. As you go. And so the idea is evangelism, reaching people far from Jesus, it's not something that you just have to do from time to time, but it's a part of who you are. It's a part of your lifestyle. It's a part of the rhythm of the day-to-day -day life. Like when I wake up in the morning and I choose to drink water, like I did not wake up that morning thinking like, hmm, I probably need to drink water today. <laughs> like it's an assumption that I'm going to drink water that day. When it comes to the Christian, the missional disciple, they don't wake up thinking, hmm, I should probably at some point try and share the gospel today. No, it's just a part of who you are. That, of course, in the day-to-day, -day, in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in my friend group, wherever I may be, as the Holy Spirit prompts my soul, prompts my mind to see an opportunity, I will take it there. And I will live missional in that moment. And so as we go, we make disciples. And we get to share the good news of Jesus with those who are far from Him. One more note about this going aspect. You'll notice, he says, go therefore make disciples of what? Of all the nations. So the people we are going to, to be missional towards this missionary idea, posture, this is not random. And it's not just any, it's not just a certain select person, but it is everyone. He says, all nations, the Greek word under that ethnos, every nation, every people. And so here's what that means for you and for our church as a whole. When you get to Acts chapter one, Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, he says, 
and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So when he's talking about the all nations component of reaching people, it literally means that we have a responsibility as a church to reach people in our backyard and to go to the ends of this earth. Locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. And so some of you here today, as the Lord, as the Holy Spirit stirs your heart for whom you can be active engaging with the gospel, for you that very well mean that in this season of life, you will be focused on the person across the street from you. Or you'll be focused on your family. For many of us, that will mean that we will say yes and we will go on a plane to the ends of the earth in our own efforts to go or even in our financial and prayer for efforts to send someone to go. Because we have a responsibility for here, there, and everywhere. That is a responsibility of the church. And so we as a church family, in the days ahead, as we grow in maturity, we have to prayerfully chase after all of those opportunities. This is what the Lord has laid at our feet, to be a missional disciple that goes to all the nations. And so the idea is that we will be going, reaching people far from Jesus, okay? The second component of that is not only will we be going, but for our alliteration, we will be growing. So number one, we will be going, a mark of a mission of the disciple. But number two, we will be growing. So we will be reaching people far from Jesus, but we will also be teaching people who are saved by Jesus. We will be reaching people far from Jesus, but the missional disciple re- teaches people who are saved by Jesus. After he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he says what? He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So he has a part one of reaching, but the part two is teaching. We're going to be reaching those far from Jesus, teaching those who are saved by Jesus. So here's the moment I don't want you to panic, okay? Don't panic. But I remember growing up, I remember thinking, there's one thing I'll never do. I will never be a teacher. (laughs) Because I went to school, I was like, man, I do not like this. This is not for me. And God in his providence said, uh-uh, <laughs> you go and teach, brother. And, and alongside of that, when we read the Great Commission, there is a reality that all of us are going to teach the Word. He says you're going to teach people. And so this will mean one of two things for you, and I believe they will crisscross in life. I believe there are seasons for these. But for you, there will be moments that you are to learn and grow to be taught by the Word. as it, Whether you're a new believer, maybe you're a college student new in your faith, or you're wanting to grow in Christ, this is a season you want to leverage for your life to grow deep in the Word. If you're a teenager, to grow deep in the Word. Whatever it may be, and that you're in a season where you have intentionally someone investing their life into you so that you learn the truth of God and you're learning how to do it. You may be in that season of learning, and you also... Or maybe on the other side, you may be in that season of teaching someone. Where you may be experienced in your walk with Jesus, growing in his word, following him for a period of time where you are ready to invest your life into someone else. If you are here as a mature follower of Jesus Christ, someone at some point invested their life into you, right? 
prayerfully, they poured their heart, their soul into you so that you would grow and flourish. And so the responsibility that comes with that is that one day you would give that away to someone else. And so in this church family, we have a whole world of people receiving from one another and giving to one another what? The word of God. We're not teaching them something random, but he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And what he is saying is you will learn and teach the word of God, his words. And so we have this aspect where we are growing in our relationships with Jesus. And so I just want to prayerfully challenge you, whether you're in the season of receiving that or you're in the season, season of teaching and giving that, that you would be willing to receive or give. That you wouldn't be willing just to idly coast through this church and say, I'm just going to sit in the pew. I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm not going to do either or but that you would be open to receiving instruction from mature believers, or if you are mature in Christ, you would be willing to give that freely away. There's people in this room right now that are yearning for that, to receive it, and there's people that are willing to give that. The way in our church that we do that is through our huddles, our discipleship groups, and today you can be a part of one of those by talking to us and talking to Christian about being a part of that. We're going to be growing and going as missional disciples. When you have a church that embraces the mission of God, what we're going to see and prayerfully expect from the Lord is great things. Not because we're seeing new people come to faith and necessarily just seeing disciples multiplied, but because we are seeing the Holy Spirit move in a mighty and supernatural way in our community, in our church. That there will be people move from death to life if we embrace the mission of God. As we've gotten to share stories of people trusting in Jesus and the good news of the gospel, that Jesus Christ saves us from our sin, that we are saved by faith alone, that nothing will change, that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We have been able to see people go from death to life and we get to celebrate that work of God because of his mission. There's people in this room that came in hungry, wanting to learn and grow, and they got to go deep into the Word because of the mission of God. And they, their life was changed, and now they want to give that away. We will see a move of God that is unprecedented that we get to experience day after day because people are willing to say, yes, what God has commanded and what God is doing in our church family. And so I fully anticipate and prepare for the day that as new faces come in and as people grow deep, that we will continually have open arms for people who are far from him to wrestle with the claims of Jesus and people who are saved by Jesus to grow in this place. And we all have a role to play in that. So some next steps that I want to give to you and then we will be done. Today, I want to challenge you with two or three things. One, you may be here and you've never trusted in Jesus. If you've never trusted in Jesus, the mission of God is here for you right now. That God doesn't see you as a project. He doesn't see you as a statistic, but he sees you as his creation, fearfully and wonderfully made. And right now, if you are dead in your sin, never trusted in Jesus, he calls to you. 
through the amazing work of his son, Jesus, and the redemption he gives sinners. We as a church, we've been saved by his grace as we were singing. Today, you don't have to save yourself. You don't have to earn that. You just have to receive it. And you can receive it by trusting in Jesus. If you've never trusted in Jesus today, the first step for you today is to follow him. If you're here today and you've trusted in Jesus, but maybe you have never been baptized, your journey of being a missional disciple begins there for your next step. That you would take that next step and follow Jesus in believer's baptism and take that step of obedience. And so next week, we are going to be baptizing two folks here. It's going to be an amazing Sunday. I want to challenge you to jump in with them and to take that profession of faith, to take that moment. If you're here and you have been saved by Jesus, you have been baptized, you are a part of this local church, I want to challenge you to begin the mission of God by going and finding the one person that the Holy Spirit is drawing you towards. That every single one of us has a group of people in our neighborhood, in our community, in our workplaces, in our families, that God is sovereignly giving you opportunities to take the good news of Jesus to them that you and you alone have. I want to challenge you to go to prayerfully and boldly expect God to move in their life as you share the hope of Jesus Christ with them. That you would find that one person that you could go to. And then finally, if you're here and you're not in a disciple-making type of relationship where you've never taken a season to grow in Christ through the Word under the leadership of someone else, or you have never led someone in their maturity and their growth, that today you would throw your yes on the table and say, yes, I'm willing to receive that, or I'm willing to give that. And that you would talk to Christian or one of us today, and we connect you into making disciples in this church family. There's a place for all of us in this mission. And so today I trust that the Holy Spirit will lead you to your next step, and that our church family would have a culture of being missional disciples, someone who lives in submission to Jesus' mission. We have the greatest opportunity of a lifetime. I want us to take it, and as we begin this new season, we expect God to do big things as he moves in all the city, all over the campus, to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together.